Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the In For A Penny podcast. My name's Mark Schoffman. I'm a freelance personal finance journalist and I'm joined as ever by my financial planner friend, Joshua Gersler. Hello. Now Josh, as you may know, is a... Is the what am I? Josh is a great man and is the or is a director of the Orchard Practice, which is a financial advisory firm in Leithy, Hertfordshire. Correct. You joined us in the middle of a protection series. This is episode two, isn't it? This is episode two. Yeah, this is part of a protection special where we're focusing on all the different types of cover, such as life insurance, critical illness, and income protection. So in the previous episode, in episode one of this series, we looked at those different <laughs> products. We looked at life insurance critical illness and income protection and on this episode we are going to discuss the process so what happens when you actually come to apply for those yeah useful stuff to know exactly so is the application process for protection is it the same regardless of what you want when you say what do you want do you mean the type of cover whether it is life insurance or income yeah it's a very similar process um, regardless of what type of cover you're taking out okay so should we talk through the process let's talk it through can i ask a question first put your hand up uh mark can you only get this can you only get protection through an advisor or can you do it directly no you can definitely go direct you could contact an insurer directly you could go on one of these uh comparison websites the advantage of having an advisor is a bit like what it says on the tin you'll be getting advice on the right type of policy for you but they of course you can go direct okay so let's say you go through an advisor or you go direct or direct what's the first step so you need to determine the type of cover you want the amount of cover you want how long you want the cover for so there's lots of different um things to choose before you actually apply but we're assuming you've decided all that so i'm guessing an advisor can help you with that and if you went but if you went direct you'd have to do a lot of that yourself correct okay so you've decided what you want you then decided which insurer you're going to apply to. And you might do that based on the cost, the price. You might do that based on the added benefits that an insurer offers or their definitions of certain conditions and ways you can claim. Whatever the reason is, you've got to decide your insurer and then apply. So the first step is completing an application form, personal details, name, address, all the usual stuff you get asked for. But then it gets a bit more technical and there is a medical questionnaire to go through. Sounds a bit intrusive. Um, They do ask quite personal questions, but nothing that should put you off having cover. So they might ask about your medical history. Have you had certain conditions? Have you had any time off work? Have any of your family members ever had a condition? So you answer all those questions. Either fill it in on a website it may be that you call the insurer and do it over the phone with them. If um, you were a client of ours, we would call you and do it over the telephone with you or someone in the office would do that. And that gets submitted to the insurer. How long does that take? The application process, as in the medical questionnaire? Questionnaire. Um, if you're doing it online, it's as quick as you can click. On the telephone, I would say minimum five minutes. It could be as long as an hour if you've got lots of conditions to disclose but i would say the most common amount of time is five to ten minutes okay i'm guessing it's important to be honest 
on that. It's not only important, it is uh, an offence to mislead the insurers. It's called non-disclosure. So if you lied, didn't tell them you had a certain condition, then potentially, if you needed to claim in the future, they'll say, well, we're not going to pay out because you lied to us. So an example is, one of the questions they say is, are you a smoker or a non-smoker? I'm not a smoker. (laughs) That wasn't asking you. So that's one of the questions they asked. Now, if you said, if you are a smoker, the premiums are much more expensive. Reason being, because you're more likely to die, be ill if you're a smoker. Okay. So if you say, well, I'm going to trick them, I'm going to say I'm a non-smoker, and then in the future you died because of, we'll just pick an example, lung cancer. Yeah. They're going to say to you, well, you lied to us on the form. I'm sorry, Mr. Shoffman. We're not going to pay out. Cannot claim your money and your family wouldn't be too happy. So don't lie on a medical questionnaire. Correct. Forever. That's the lesson we yeah. learn here today. Okay. So you've, you've filled in your medical questionnaire. That's gone off to the insurer. It goes then through to their underwriters. What's an underwriter? So the website Investopedia defines underwriting as the process through which an individual or institution takes on financial risk for a fee. Would you like to know where the term originated from? I would love to. So read it out. It's on the screen in front of you. Well, according Lazy to bugger. Investopedia, the term originated from a practice of having each risk taker write their name under the total amount of risk they're willing to accept for a specified premium. Interesting. So they underwrite right underneath. Very good. So the insurer underwrites your application, determines whether they want to accept you as a client for them. And the reason they need the medical information to do that is because each insurer will have a certain risk appetite, a certain amount that they are prepared to risk for their clients. So if you are healthy, you'd be considered standard risk. And whatever price they or premium they have quoted you, that's what you'll pay. However, if you are, I don't want to say unhealthy, but if you have medical conditions to disclose, because you could be perfectly healthy, but have these conditions, then you may be considered higher risk and you will be rated. Oh, I can see. I've woken you up there. X-rated? I don't think X-rated. Okay. What does rated mean? Rated means you're higher risk and therefore your premiums are going to be more expensive or loaded. Loaded? What does that mean? I just told you. More expensive. Okay. Okay. So, for example, you've you've filled in your medical questionnaire. You've got lots of uh, medical conditions to disclose. So they've decided that they would like to cover you. Ah, lovely. But, yeah, but you're higher risk, and therefore they need to charge you more for the privilege. I don't like that because you're more likely to claim other other things that happen. Sometimes they will offer you cover, but have exclusions. So we'll use an example I've had with some clients recently, quite a few different clients recently on income protection. So they've been offered the cover by the insurer. So if they can't work due to accident or sickness, they'll be able to claim on this policy. But the underwriter has excluded any claims resulting from anxiety because these few clients have had a previous history of anxiety and the insurer thinks they're likely to happen again. I see. So are there some insurers that are better than others at covering certain conditions? Definitely, yeah. How Can you do that? directly or would that be something that's easier for an advisor to do because would, would they have knowledge of the market and and more suitable insurers for certain types of people it's a, i guess it depends how much time you've got on your hands if you're comfortable calling around two three five ten different insurers and asking them what their th- 
their policy is for a certain condition, then, you know, do it yourself if you enjoy that type of thing. But you're right, and a, a, an advisor probably has come across these things before and will know not to waste time with certain insurers or which insurer is going to look on something more favourably. Does applying for insurance affect your credit rating? Protection policies, no. They don't appear on credit reports. But that certain types of insurance does, things like when you get your car insurance or home insurance, often the insurer does leave a footprint on your credit report. So would it matter if you did a few different applications or rejected for some other than the time you'd waste? Because then you'd be getting lots of different quotes, wouldn't you? And you'd be able to shop around more easily. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. Go for it. Okay. So we'll take a step back. So you filled in the medical questionnaire yes. and they've made a decision. But some insurers have a step in between that. Some insurers will want to write to your GP. What? Yeah, for a doctor's report or a GP's report. Okay. So it might be that they want to verify the information that you've put in the questionnaire, or it might be that they want to ask you, uh, ask the GP additional questions. Right. So that's a, another step in the underwriting process. Also, some insurers will need you to carry out, or for them to carry out a medical on you. Is that like when you're signing for a football club and you need to go and run on a treadmill unfortunately it's not as glamorous as that or exciting as that it usually involves a blood test a um, saliva swab to check if you're a smoker I think it's called a cotinine test sometimes there's a urine sample height weight blood pressure it's nothing too intrusive and often they can come to your house to do it that's nice once they've got this either this GP's report and or the medical then they might make their decision their final underwriting decision at, at that stage how important is it that you have a good relationship with your GP? Because they need to know you quite well and be quite accessible. Because I know with my doctor's surgery, it can take months to get an appointment and you may, you may never see your doctor. So how well will they know you? That's your a different discussion, history? isn't it, about the, the, the state of GPs in this country. Uh, some are good, some are bad. I, it's not important that you have a good relationship with your GP. I don't think my GP really knows who I am. And sometimes I see different people when I, when I have to go. As long as they've got your medical records, that's all they... They need, and that's all they refer to. your medical records. Correct. Or answering questions about it. Uh, Some GPs can be very slow at replying to these requests from insurers. So some of them will reply within a few days. Others take weeks and weeks of chasing to to actually get them to write back. That must be quite annoying. That can hold up a whole application. Very frustrating, especially for the client if they're taking out a policy to be in conjunction with a mortgage. Yes. It can be very frustrating. So if you are a GP listening... Ask for pods. Pastor Pods, if you're a GP, see if you can uh, get your surgery to speed up a bit on those replies. That would be much appreciated. So if a GP's written back, we've had the underwriting decision, then what happens? Then you've got to decide whether you want to accept and start the policy, or if you're the guy who's calling all the different insurers, shop around and find something else. And when you get policy, how accessible is the, informa- is the information? How do you receive it? Nowadays, most insurers, you can just log in and download your policy. For most individuals, you never really have to refer to the policies, only when a claim needs to be made that you you would need to. Going back to your question earlier about using an advisor, one, one benefit of using an advisor is if you need to make a claim, your advisor can help you or should help you with that if you've gone direct you'd need to contact the insurer yourself and arrange that and if it is a really stressful situation a loved one has died or someone's critically ill you don't want to be messing about having to fill in forms if you get someone to take care of that for you then all the better does it cost any money to to do an application no there's no fee to apply for insurance 
so if you do this direct, I guess there's no charge, but if an advisor helps you, do they get paid? So I don't know how other all other firms work. I can speak for the Orchard Practice. We don't charge any fees to arrange protection policies for our client. The insurers pay a commission and that's all disclosed on the that's all disclosed on the on the paperwork that the client receives. Before they apply or after? Well it's on the quotes. It's on the quotes. Is there a risk that an advisor would favour an insurer that pays a higher commission? I think there is I think there is a risk of that. I think where wherever commission is um offered, I'm a bit of a sceptic. There's always a risk that a certain type of advisor will be swayed by the commission and not not act in the client's best interest. Forget financial services. I think anything where there is commission is a, is there is a danger. So if you are a client or a consumer, you need to make sure that the policy is right for you and understand why it's right for you. So you, your offer comes in. Your offer comes in. How long how long does it take for it to start if you accept it? It can be straight away. It can be instantly. Some can even be backdated. Although, if you're taking out life insurance and you didn't die last week, there's probably no point backdating it to last week. What if you do take out life insurance and you die a week later? Are you covered? It's a good question. And I believe the answer is yes. With most life insurance policies, they have an exclusion in the first year of if you if you die by suicide, that's, that's most insurers have that as an exclusion because they don't want someone who's thinking about killing themselves, taking out policy, killing themselves the next day. And then they've got this big payout. Family has it. Correct, yeah. What about with income protection and critical illness? And you take out a policy and then a week later you have one of the eligible conditions. Yeah, that's fine. So the key thing is, you, the, we mentioned this just before, the key thing is you answer the medical questionnaires truthfully. Therefore, the underwriter knows that you didn't have this condition before or that you did and they were prepared to take it as a risk and therefore that's absolutely fine. I had a client last year who took out a policy and unfortunately six months later she was diagnosed with breast cancer. So she got a payout on her critical illness policy and she got a, she got started claiming on her income protection. That's interesting though because... That was with Aviva. Aviva? Yeah, have you heard of Aviva? I have heard yeah. of Aviva because... Um... With other, with general insurance, such as car insurance and home insurance, they often have these 90-day periods where you can't make a claim. But it seems that with... Do they? I mean, I don't I don't get involved with general insurance, so I don't, I don't know, but that seems a bit harsh. Well, I think it's to stop, so if you were in a car crash... Yeah, guess... but if you're going to be in a car crash, you can't determine whether that's going to happen. So if you take... These policies are renewed every year, aren't they? So I've just renewed my I think it's home insurance. Take out a new policy. Yeah, but even so, so my home insurance, oh, sorry, my car insurance. Every year, I try and find the cheapest price. So you, does that mean that for the first ninety days every year, I'm not covered? It may not be car insurance. Maybe it's things like warranties. Oh, you're changing the goalposts here, Mark. <laughs> Why don't you look into that, and then maybe you can tell us in another episode. Maybe I will. How good are insurance companies at paying out? Most of them are very good. Uh, I think insurance companies can get a bad uh, a bad name, a bad reputation, or they don't want to pay, they're trying to wriggle out of it. They do want to pay these companies. They want to pay where it's a genuine claim. I mean, we can get some statistics if you want to have a look. Um, but on the whole, they are very good at paying out if there is a claim to make. How easy is it to claim? What do you have to do? You have to prove to the insurer... Well, I guess there's different things. So if we're talking about someone's died, usually you've got to just send in a death certificate to prove it you had an advisor could you do it through the advisor or would you go yeah straight you could do it through your advisor and, and that's uh you know when you're grieving you don't want to be dealing with all of this so chuck it on them to do, to deal with 
income protection or the critical illness cover, usually you'll need a GP's report, a consultant's letter, anything to prove that you have this condition or that you can't work or whatever it may be to be able to claim. There's forms, there's paperwork. It can be a bit of a pain. But I don't want people to be put off from having insurance because of that. If, God forbid, anyone is in a situation where they are ill, there's a death, they can't work, these are invaluable to have. If you have an advisor and you need a claim, would you always go through them first or would you phone the insurer first? I think it depends on your relationship with your advisor. I would hope that my clients or their family would call me so that I can deal with it for them so they don't have to stress about it. Remember, there's no uh, benefit for us. We don't get paid to make the claim, but we just want to make their lives easier. Um, But if they want to call direct, they can call direct. Okay. How long should that whole process take? It can vary from half an hour to months, depending on how complicated it gets. Can a lot of it be done online? Yeah, yeah, it could could all be done online. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Okay. So... I guess that's episode two, isn't it? Yeah, so that's probably all we have time for. If you'd like to know more, you could email info at no mark at cavendishcontent.com, Joshua at topfs.co.uk. You could tweet at Mark Schoffman, at Josh Gersler, at in for a penny pod one. Please do leave any feedback and reviews uh, via whichever way you were listening. So you could do it on iTunes or Podbean even on Twitter or send me an email yeah if you've just getting to the end of this podcast please leave a review so that more people can find us online but for now thank you for being in for a penny